Not sure anybody's saying how about them Cowboys today. Lots of interesting things happened over the weekend in the NFL and beyond. Amber and Ian is on ESPN Radio, which is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Let's talk about all things NFL. ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum joining us here on Amber and Ian and Tannenbaum thanks as always for your time you were at MetLife Uh, I don't know if you received hazard pay you were here with Ian Fitzsimmons and Ian has (laughs) mentioned multiple times that your crew deserved hazard pay for having to witness that game between the New England Patriots and the New York Jets in person so you saw the glory that is Zach Wilson in person what is your takeaway from calling this thing yeah, great to be with you. And Amber, you work with the hardest working guy at ESPN, Utah on Saturday, MetLife Sunday, home safely with his family. So uh, always, always good to work with my guy. Is, is that I, a compliment? Say, Wait, did you just give me for the first time in, in, in all of our years working <laughs> together, did you actually pay me a compliment? <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that you're going to be out, so, okay. you know, outside the range. <laughs> Um, I was really disappointed with Zach Wilson, Amber, and I thought it was terrible play calling as well. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more creative and diverse offenses, putting wide receivers in the backfield, getting them ball in space, spreading teams out, running it with four receivers, throwing it with three tight ends, quarterback runs. I think there's a lot of ways you can help Zach Wilson. You can't put him in the pocket and have him make a full field progression. He just can't do that. Um, and, you know, Bill Belichick just absolutely outcoached Nathaniel Hackett yesterday. All right, you at one point, I think it was the start of the third quarter, you actually mentioned on air it might be Boyle time, meeting Tim Boyle, the quarterback of Eastern Kentucky. If you were the coach, would you have made that switch during the game? And now coming into this week, are you would you seriously be considering benching Zach Wilson for the pride of Eastern Kentucky? Absolutely, Fitz. You've been around this game, and here's why. It's not what the players are saying right now, guys. It's what they're thinking. What they're saying right now is, if my performance isn't good enough, then I would be benched. Like, the NFL is the ultimate meritocracy. Like, it is for GMs, it is for coaches, it's for everybody. And when there's one player not being held to that same standard, it causes a lot of consternation in the locker room. And he's not playing good football by any metric whatsoever. He completed 50% of his passes yesterday. He has the lowest completion percentage in the NFL, and it's not good enough. And they have a really good team. So it's something where I, it, it is inconceivable to me why they haven't brought in a veteran quarterback, and I can't believe they haven't given Tim Boyle a shot. Mike Tannebaum joining us here on Amber and Ian. Okay, Zach Wilson isn't good. We know that. He certainly hasn't looked good so far. But I thought this defense was supposed to look world-class, Tannebaum, and I haven't seen that so far what have you make of the Jets with the other side of the ball? You know, it's interesting. You know, we talked about this quite a bit, uh, you know, relative to um, the game yesterday. I thought going back a week ago, Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer in Dallas, and, and yesterday uh, Bill O'Brien with, um, you know, the Patriots, it was a lot of quick game, put those linebackers in space, make those safeties, uh, you know, cover, and it was – sort of like death by a lot of paper cuts. And I, I thought there were some questionable decisions by New England's offense going at, throwing it long on third down. But I would say they've been good, Amber, but certainly not dominant. I think that's very fair. 
As far as the grotesque overreactions we have right now, before we get to Amber's fish, which she's dying to ask you about, you were part of that front office. She drafted a lot of those guys. We'll touch on that one moment, Wilson, in just in just a second. But when it comes to grotesque overreactions to the first two weeks, now we have a little bit more of a book. As you know, better than anybody, you really know a lot more about your team after the first three than you really did in the previous three. As far as overreactions go, what have we disproved, whether it's the Bills when they were 0-1 or Pittsburgh when they were 0-1 or, you know, the game, the team we saw yesterday with New England losing to Philadelphia, you know, and then the you know, the previous week to Miami by one scores and then go and win on the road. What are some of the biggest overreactions that have been proven wrong? You know, I think Cleveland's better than we think. You know, Cleveland may have the best defense right now. You know, they've outscored their opponents by uh, 41 points. They're, they've been very, very good on defense. Deshaun Watson is a work in progress, but I think we've disproved that Cleveland's going to be irrelevant in the AFC North. Wow. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, joining us here on Amber and Ian. Right, so let's talk about my Miami Dolphins, Mike. I mean, 70 <laughs> points. Were you surprised that Mike McDaniel didn't go for NFL history? No, because he's a classy guy, and um, – I'm not, you know, he's a smart, thoughtful guy that has a lot of respect for the profession, you know, and Sean Payne's not going anywhere. And I I think that was his way of saying like, Hey, I respect the guy on the other side of the, uh, in this game. And um, I think what he did was, you know, the appropriate thing. And he's obviously done a great job with Tua. And what's really amazing when you think about it, they were missing, you know, Jeff Wilson, they were missing um, Jalen Waddle and, like Tyreek Hill had a really good game, but it was their run game that was as dominant as their passing game. So, you know, when you put those things together, that's just going to make two of that much better. And more importantly, from a Dolphin standpoint, the more they can run the ball, the better chances of Tua staying healthy. Let's talk about the other team, though, involved in that game in the Denver Broncos. 20 points, losing by 50 points to the Miami Dolphins. If you're Sean Payton, what are you even doing doing at this point to try to right this ship? What are you saying to those guys? How do you keep your team at this point? Yeah, you know, I thought what Ryan Clark said today was really appropriate. I think the eyes of the football world were a little taken aback. But what Sean Payne said about Nathaniel Hackett was somewhere, there's sort of like this code in our industry that, hey, you worry about your own organization. You don't speak poorly about people in the past and you're moving forward. And he sort of got his comeuppance yesterday and they really lacked fundamentals. Like, there were a number of plays where players weren't touched. There was terrible tackling. Look, Miami's clearly the better team, but, you know, to give up 70 points, it's just really not acceptable. So if I'm Sean Payton, I get back to basics. I put the pads on this week. I tackle. And um, it's really, you know, I don't know if you guys realize this, but teams that, the two teams that are probably struggling the most in the NFL right now are Chicago and Denver, and they play each other uh, this upcoming week. And, you're talking about a must-win for both teams. Both teams desperately need a win. If the total on that game is 32, I'm taking the under. It was kind of like yesterday, right? Oh, I, I said you drilled 14. that one. You I, had I, both sides I, in our pregame, yeah, our pregame I, meeting. I, <laughs> Patriots yeah, and I under. I predicted 14-10, and I did, I did a total disservice to our listeners because the <laughs> total score was 15-10. You were, I mean, what's wrong with you? You were one point off on, on, the, on the total score. I mean, come on, Mike T. Hey, uh, for people wondering, all right, were we overhyping the Dallas Cowboys? They were without three offensive linemen. And for some reason, certain teams have another team's number. And the Arizona Cardinals, 
for some reason, have the Dallas Cowboys. What do you make of what happened with Dallas and Arizona? Yeah, you know, going back to your first question about what did we disprove, I think we may have disproved that Arizona may not be Caleb Williams' landing spot. You know, here's a team that lost J.J. Watt. They lost DeAndre Hopkins. Arguably their best football player is Buda Baker on IR. They got their quarterback about 10 minutes ago in Josh Dobbs in a trade from Cleveland, and they had the lead in the second half against Washington, the New York Giants, who they were beating 20 to nothing at halftime, and obviously won yesterday. So have, tip of the cap to Jonathan Gannon. And I think if there's a vulnerability on this Dallas defense, it, it's the run. And I think they had a great game plan yesterday. They stayed you know, with the run, and that you know, proved to be you know, the winning sort of formula to beat Dallas. If the players are, or if the team was intending to tank, the players certainly didn't get the memo. I'm not sure Gannon got the memo either there for the Arizona Cardinals. The Bears did. The bit, well, the Bears seem to have gotten the memo. <laughs> uh, ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum. Thanks, Tannenbaum. Thank you. How was that booth, Mike T? It was nice and dry, right? Oh, it was lovely. Yeah, <laughs> he was out of the elements, unlike you. Right. What a Thanks, sloppy buddy. game in every way, uh, including the weather there at MetLife yesterday. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, we've got a doubleheader tonight in Monday Night Football. We will get to the action in the second game, get you updated on the first game. Let's talk about some live NFL. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Rams Bengals just got underway. The one and one LA Rams versus the 0 and 2 Cincinnati Bengals. The Monday Night Football preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Also underway, Eagles Bucks. That game is tied. At three apiece. But let's talk about this game that just kicked off here, Ian. Only uh, out of the 251 teams, only six have made the postseason in the Super Bowl era after starting 0-3. The Bengals, it feels like, are in a must-win situation, even though this is only the third game of the season. And it probably explains why Joe Burrow is out there tonight. Yeah, the last team to do it is the Texans in 2018, to your point. And sometimes players have to be protected from themselves. Like we're watching in the earlier window of Monday Night Football, Baker Mayfield was one of those guys two years ago who needed to be protected from himself. He was hurt at one point with his throwing shoulder with the Cleveland Browns. Then he got injured when J.J. Watt just crushed him 
and his shoulder went you know, to the opposite side of his body, yet he continued to play. The medical staff in that game or with that team, the Cleveland Browns, should have protected the player from himself. Players want to play, Amber, especially fighters like Baker Mayfield, who's having a, a decent game tonight, 8 of 14, 77 yards. And uh, you know, now the Eagles have just scored. They are now up 10 to 3 on Tampa Bay with 3.32 to go in the second quarter. Burrow is a fighter. He's a competitor. He wants to be out there with his guys. And to your point, he knows those statistics, or at least the history of going 0-3. So did the Chargers. So did the Vikings. So did the Patriots. And, you know, All these teams that have playoff aspirations coming into Week 3, they knew it. They know it. And at times, a player needs to be protected from himself. But also, players can be very convincing. And I think Joe Burrow, obviously, was very convincing. And he's out there tonight. Me? You know, if the player tell and he tests out well, and I'm the team doc, or, you know, and he, he looks good, and there's every drill that I give him, and he passes them, especially with a calf, over a throwing shoulder, then I'm, I'm going to let him go. I'm going I'm to let him play. But there are times, to your point, and I understand the question, where a player needs to be protected from himself for the longevity of the season. Joe Burrow re-injured his calf injury against the Ravens in week two. Backup Jake Browning, practice squad quarterback Reed Sinnott, are they are also active tonight as well. Joe Burrow was starting. If it's one of those situations where the doctors are saying there's nothing more he can hurt, like he's not going to, like the, this thing isn't going to end up blowing out his knee because that's always the concern, Ian, right? You get one, like you're, sure well, your calf, calf is, is attached to the Achilles. That's what, that's my biggest concern. Yeah. If you're, if you're like stepping wrong because of it, or if you're favoring it wrong and you blow out your Achilles because you stepped the wrong way, or you blow out your knee because you stepped the wrong way because your calf isn't up to snuff and not used to, and not, it performing like you're used to it performing, that's when you end up getting other injuries that mean more. So the calf itself isn't necessarily the concern because that's a muscular injury. And so maybe he's feeling like he can play through it, but it's what is he going to do to overcompensate for that pain or that discomfort? Now I would imagine that calf is shot up real good. Uh, and then he's not feeling a whole no, lot no, when not, he's out not there that. tonight. Not, not, but, a mu- not a muscle. Not, no, no, you you're, can't, you're not going to shoot that up. You no can't way. shoot it up no. because it wouldn't fire. Is that why? Exactly right. Oh, no, well, no way. Sh- no sh- way. Shows what I know about these, uh, uh, these sh- right. shots and this good. voodoo medicine I mean, that they that, get in these locker like rooms. A rib, a rib, a shoulder, right? I feel a like knee. they're just getting shots everywhere, these guys. Yeah, I have I mean, to be you, honest you, with you. Toradol goes only, only so far, but a calf injury, it's not happening. No. But to your point, though, right? I mean, if he felt good, he's going to go through every drill that you possibly can, and the team docs are going to put him through every possible drill to test that calf. But you heard Jamar Chase, you know, in, in a pre, in a pregame interview on you know on ESPN talking about, hey, I'm still not backing off of my Week Five thing. Mm-hmm. So his teammate from LSU and that unbelievable Natty team from 2019, you know, his, his star wideout is not is going. Look, if Joe's not 100, percent he should not be out there, and he's not backing off that. To your point. I mentioned that only six teams have made a postseason in the Super Bowl era after starting 0-3. And that's what the Bengals are concerned about. Now, the Bengals are accustomed at starting 0-2. 
that's that's their thing. That's their MO starting 0-2. And they'll make a postseason starting 0-2. But I guess they're concerned about that statistic and everything being stacked against them if they start the season 0-3. What I would say, though, is this is one of those teams in that unusual circumstance where I could believe it, that they would still make a postseason even if they started it 0-3 because of what we've seen from this Bengals team in the past and because of how good we all believe Joe Burrow is. I don't think I would have risked it because of that. By the way, they just missed the kick. They just went for a 54-yard field goal. The Bengals did. They missed the kick. So this game remains scoreless between the Rams and the Bengals. If I was the Bengals, I think I would be taking every precaution. And I I get that he went through those drills and that he's saying he's good to go. But for this Bengals team, and they haven't looked great, through these, you know, these losses, like, did not look good. You know, don't get me wrong. They're ranked 29th in rushing success rate. You're going to have to rely on your running game here because Joe Burrow is not 100%. So there's a lot of factors that go into this. And if you're the Bengals, you don't want to be in this situation. You certainly don't want to go 0-3. But what's more catastrophic is that he hurts himself further, right? And this will look like the dumbest decision ever if that ends up happening. That, that'll be so much worse than a bad start because then you're talking, I mean, then there goes your entire season. Well, especially in that division where the Steelers went on the road as a, as a road dog, right? And, and, and got a win last night against Vegas. Baltimore, you know, is two and one. Cleveland is two and one with an impressive win yesterday, even though Deshaun Watson threw a pass backwards. I've never seen that one before. Um, and then you're looking at Cincy and that, in that division, if you go 0 and 3, Amber, that, that's a, that's a daunting task to come back from that. And, and look, again, having covered Joe Burrow a ton when he was in college, just a little bit when, when here in the NFL, but just knowing his character, it would have taken an army to keep him off that field tonight if his calf felt 75%. But I'm with you, and I'm with Jamar Chase. You know, This was one where you're looking at the Rams. Okay, are, are they better than we anticipated them being? Yeah, they are. You know, sitting here at one and one, and a damn near two and zero, oh, right? So you're looking at at this squad going. Can you beat him without Joe Burrow? Joey B obviously was very convincing, and that's a very difficult decision for not just the medical staff but the coaching staff, because a guy like Burrow is going to be remarkably convincing. Going, no, I'm fine, I'm good. Let me get out there with my guys. It's hard to tell a guy like that no. If we had had this conversation before the season started and you had told me Burrow is going to have tweaked his calf in week two and they're going to be in a game time situation in week three against the Rams, would would you expect him to get the go? I would say no, because it was against the Rams and we weren't expecting anything now, from the yeah, Rams. Yeah. And then you saw what Matt Safford did in week one against the Seahawks. And he showed, hey, in I Seattle. saw a lot left in the tank. Yeah out there. I still have a lot left in the tank and I was injured last season and that was the problem, right? Not that, not that I'm over the hill. I'm not the problem. I'm still out here in Sean McVay's offense with all of that creativity. It feels like it's back there for the Rams in a way that none of us expected. They put up 23 points against that San Francisco 49ers defense, even though they lost that game. The Rams have looked a lot better than certainly I anticipated, and frankly, I think than most of us have anticipated. And that's what we find out every year. There's a, there's a few teams that are supposed to make the playoffs that don't every single year. As a matter of fact, if, for anybody who hasn't looked at this, since 1990, literally half the teams that make the postseason the previous year 
do not make the playoffs the following year. I mean, it's a remarkable turnover rate, which all I mean, which by the way keeps. Why, why do you think the NFL is such a juggernaut? You know, mm-hmm. every fan base is invested because you got a shot. And so the Rams, maybe they're maybe they're one of those teams. Maybe they aren't. I don't know. But you're right. I mean, they they so far through in this grotesquely early part of the NFL season and our overreactions, they are a much better team than we anticipated. And oh, by the way, Baker Mayfield just threw his first pick. Well, Matt Stafford just threaded the needle through three defenders, and somehow his receiver caught that pass. So the Rams still looking like they're clicking in Sean McVay's offense. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. Two teams playing tonight that nobody expected anything from, even though they've won Super Bowls here in recent memory. We'll see which one of them ends up walking away tonight looking like legit postseason contenders. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Up in the air, it's batted up and nearly caught. And it falls to the ground and nearly into Randall Cobb's hands in the end zone. You know, it starts with me. I got to find a way to be better. Zach showing you enough to keep him as the starter going. Yeah, he's fine. Ian Fitzsimmons (laughs) has been called the hardest working man at ESPN. That's not true. At least by Mike Tannenbaum today. I don't know if anybody else has ever called you that. But Never. That was nice of him. Three bone. It might be true. You were. I mean, you you do obviously the call for college. So you had big college action on the West Coast on Saturday. Then you had to fly all the way to MetLife to football do living. I love Patriots it. Jets on Sunday. You were on the call for that game. Uh, you did not receive hazard pay, but you probably deserved hazard pay for having to witness that thing in person. Also, the weather was so not is, helpful yes. either for that matchup. But let's talk about these New York Jets. And for that, we bring in ESPN Jets reporter Rich Semining joining us here on Amber and Ian. And thanks so much for your time. The noise is very loud around that quarterback position, and I don't see that quieting down anytime soon, even though Robert Sala keeps publicly saying that Zach Wilson is their guy. Is there any change when it comes to that? Do you think that they are secretly exploring things outside of Zach Wilson? Yes, I have to believe they're exploring options. Wilson will start this week, uh, Sunday night game against Kansas City, which is shaping up as a uh, – it could be an epic mismatch. But, uh, yeah, so he'll start this week. Their only other quarterback in the building right now is Tim Boyle, who's a career backup journeyman-type guy who's only started three games, and they don't really view him as a viable option as a starter. So I, I do believe that the Jets are exploring their options. Now, even if they did get someone else in the building, uh, it probably would be a second – slash third string type guy who would take a few weeks to get up to speed to be even able to play. So this is going to be an ongoing situation, but I, I do believe Zach Wilson's is not going to start the rest of the year. I, I don't, I don't see that happening the way he's playing. Rich, Matt Ryan has already said, thanks, but no thanks. And 
I wonder how many other vets, you know, and just being behind the bench and watching some of the communication between Zach Wilson and that offensive line and, and, and everything else regarding that line, how hard would it be to have, even like, let's talk Kirk Cousins. That's the name that's been thrown around nonstop, right? If you're Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. why would you want to come play behind that offensive line? Well, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I don't think his line's doing uh, great. He's 0-3 now in Minnesota. and He does have a no-trade clause, so he certainly can control the situation. Um, yeah, the offensive line did not have a great day, for sure. I mean, especially run blocking. They had, what, 30-something yards rushing, and there's just no possible way they're going to win with a backup quarterback with rushing for 30 yards a week. There's, there's no way that's happening. I don't think the line is as bad as some people are making out to be. I think a lot of that, the pressures they gave up and the sacks they gave up, I think that was on the quarterback. You know, Zach Wilson holding the ball too he does long. Hold it I too think long. if Aaron Rodgers were in there, the ball would be coming out a lot quicker and he'd have them in better positions uh, to avoid those type of situations. So I, I don't think the offensive line is a disaster. Some people are making it out to be. Uh, I think they could still improve with time. I do think that the O-line would look better, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers standing behind it. But, Rich, I've been one of those people that's pretty critical of the way that the Jets have handled this O-line. Why, when Dwayne Brown goes down for weeks, which anybody could have seen coming, 38 years old, injury history, why then are they moving around Mekhi Becton, Vera Tucker? Like, why do we have to shuffle around everything because one guy's out? Yeah, well, that's a valid question. I mean, we've been writing about this for months. Uh, when it when Dwayne Brown decided to come back this year and play his 16th year, there were a lot of people, you know, the Jets were really committed to him, and it, it raised a lot of questions. I mean, he's 38 years old. He's had a fabulous career. There's no question about it. But, you know, rotator cuff surgery in the offseason, do you really want to go with a 38-year-old guy? They, they drafted someone, but it wasn't until the fourth round. You know, supposedly they got outmaneuvered to try to get Roderick Jones coming out of Georgia. They, I think the Jets were high on him. He got scooped up by Pittsburgh right before the Jets were picking. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, they left themselves vulnerable there. Becton is a left tackle. He's a uh, natural left tackle who got moved to right tackle. And Vera Tucker, I feel bad for him. He's a natural guard who's have, having to play out of position the last two years. So you're right. It's been it's been dysfunctional on the offensive line. And this was Joe Douglas's bread and butter when he was hired. You know, that was the thing. They said, this guy is going to build a strong offensive line. That's his specialty. He's a former lineman himself. And that really hasn't been the case. Our guy, Sal Palantonio, gave me this uh, before the game yesterday, Rich. And, and it's staggering because when you, when you hear it and then you watch it, to your point, it, it's, it's one of Zach Wilson's biggest faults. He holds the ball coming into yesterday. 3.22 seconds. That's dead last in the National Football League. Dead last. He's just not seeing that. I talked to one AFC scout. Said he, he has a skill set that can be at least productive in this league, but he just doesn't see the field. How is that correctable? How do, how do you correct that if you can't see it and you're holding it that long and you're that indecisive? And that was a pattern last year as well. So it's not a new pattern. And I don't know how you can coach that out of him. I think it's just sort of an instinctual thing for the quarterback position. I think the offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, is just going to have to get some easy completions for him. Uh, I thought they started off the game fine. I mean, they, they tried that quick screen to Garrett Wilson, and granted, it only gained a yard. But 
at least they were trying to get the ball into the hands of their best playmaker. And I think those are the kind of things you have to do with Zach Wilson, the quick throws, the easy completions. Um, you know, how about getting McCall Hardman in the game? The guy's got outstanding speed. Maybe yeah. try to get him the ball on a jet sweep or something of that nature. They haven't tried anything like that. But you're right. I mean, he's, he was processing especially slow in that game. I think a lot of it had to do with the defense. He's always – He's 0-5 against New England now. I think whatever they do to him, it just sort of hypnotizes him in a way, and it just causes him to hold the ball too long. A lot of people uh, are, are, suffer that effect from Bill Belichick's defenses, uh, if we're being fair. ESPN Jets reporter Rich Samini joining us. Uh, Rich, I'm always in this weird situation where like, somehow I sound like I'm defending Zach Wilson, I think maybe because we have the same last name. But part of it is that I don't feel like this coaching staff has done him any favors. Do you think because of the injury to Aaron Rodgers, because of the adversity that they're dealing with from that respect, that Robert Sala and the staff is going to kind of get a pass this season or is there any point that that heat starts falling on the coaching staff and not just on Zach Wilson? Yeah, I think that's already started already. Uh, I don't think anyone gets a free pass, especially in New York, especially for a coach who's in his third year now and, and bigger things are expected this year. Now, it is unfortunate. I mean, you talk about the ultimate bad luck. Losing a guy like Aaron Rodgers on the fourth play of the season is just something that's unfathomable and, and completely unforeseen. Um, now, that said, like Robert Sala was saying today in our, in our Zoom call with him, you know, they had this entire thing built around Aaron Rodgers a certain way, and now they're, they're changing on the fly and changing the identity of the offense, which means to me that they're going to become more of a run-oriented offense. And I get that. I think there is a transition that you go through, but, you know, I think you can use that as an excuse for a couple of games. But now that'll, that'll wear thin. I mean, Zach Wilson is not a rookie. He's been around. He started, I think, 24 games in the NFL. So, yes, there is an adjustment period when you go from a Rodgers to a Wilson. But I, I think that period is just about ending now. Have you ever seen a Jets fan get so angry with a team in all your years of covering football that they lose their teeth? <laughs> No, that's a first. I think uh, I think that guy sort of became the symbol of frustration <laughs> for for a fan base that is just uh, snake bitten right now. So yeah, that I guess that guy went viral, but it was kind of funny. I mean, snake bitten right now, snake bitten for the last like four decades. ESPN Jets reporter Rich Samini, thanks, Rich. You're welcome. Take care. The Rams right now up on the Bengals three zip. The Eagles up on the Bucks ten to three. I just think, Ian, when it comes to the Jets, going to your backup, who's a journeyman, who's only had three starts in the NFL, ain't the answer either inside that building. And if they bring in somebody else, I don't have this idea that they're going to be able to bring in the savior. If Kirk Cousins becomes available, that's an entirely different conversation. But one of the frustrations I have with this idea surrounding the Jets, that they have to do something immediately is like this window isn't going to exist for New York. And I do think that that's overstating it a little bit because this team is so young and this defense, frankly, is so young. But defensively, this team was supposed to be Super Bowl level. And even defensively so far, this team hasn't, they've been good, but not, you know, excellent best team in or best defense in the National Football League good. And that would go a long way to helping out your offensive deficiencies when Aaron Rodgers goes down. Yeah, but you're also getting worn down. I mean, you know, they, they were out on that field a lot yesterday. 
because you're, I mean, your offense goes, what, two of 14 on third down. And to look, when it comes to putting in Tim Boyle, the backup quarterback in New York, Tannenbaum brought this up on the broadcast yesterday. He, 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 for people just tuning in, Mike Tannenbaum was with us about 40 minutes ago. He brought it up again, and I kind of agree with him. It can't be worse. It can it, be. It, 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 it could be can worse. Can it? It can I'm, be worse. Zach Wilson's not the Amber, worst quarterback we've ever seen in the bench. history of the universe. I was behind that bench for a lot of that game yesterday, and I'm watching those players interact with Zach Wilson. And I'm telling you, a lot of them, they're just not following that guy. Garrett Wilson, at one point, when they went, they finally went on a, on a no-huddle, hurry-up offense before that drive, where Zach went 7 of 10 on that drive, led to a touchdown, which they were bailed out on by a bad, deep defensive player pass interference call in the back of the end zone. But Garrett came over and just was, it was firm encouragement. The, the, the TV cameras from what I'm told painted as an altercation. It wasn't an altercation at all. Garrett came over going, Hey man, you're better than this. We've got this. And then he walked away. Right. And then he came back over, thumped him in the shoulder pads. And from what I could tell, it's like, it's our time now. So Garrett's trying to pump his guy up. But then after that one drive where they went down and scored, I mean, Zach wet the bet again. And he went over to his offensive line and looking at his offensive line and look reacting to him. They're like, dude, whatever, man. You're holding the ball for 48 minutes back there. There's only so much we can do. His team is not reacting to him. They're not following him. So it can be worse, in my opinion. And therefore, I, look, if it were me, I'm with Tannenbaum. I'm making a change because Zach Wilson is not going to lead you to a W. If you make a change, then you just have to make the change. And then we never need to see Zach Agreed. Wilson again 100%. as a starter of the Jets. Because that was a big mistake they made last season. And, and it wasn't that I thought Zach Wilson was good or better than Mike White even. Uh, because he wasn't at that time when they made that change. I just didn't see the purpose of it. It's like, all right, you're not going to a Super Bowl anyways. What are you doing? Go ahead and at least play out the entire season with him. Then you know, hey, he's trash. Yes, he was the number two overall pick. But we have to move on. They didn't do that. And instead, they bring him back. Back into this season, he's supposed to be a backup. They don't have a better contingency plan, which they should have had in place, frankly, for a 39-year-old quarterback and Aaron Rodgers behind a bad and old O-line as well. And it just feels like from an organizational perspective, there weren't the checks and balances in place to deal with this exact scenario. And I know nobody expected Aaron Rodgers to go down four snaps into the NFL season, but him going down at some point in the season wasn't outside the realm of possibility, frankly. And, and they definitely did not have an insurance plan. And they still don't have an insurance plan now for Zach Wilson, who's looked like one of the very worst quarterbacks in the NFL for multiple seasons in a row. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, we will switch to college football. Ian's other bread and butter. Let's talk about some of the crazy action this weekend from college. Franklin, he's got it! Touchdown, Orion! We're not done yet. We're not satisfied. I hope all those people that have been watching every week are watching this week. It's a good old-fashioned buck kicking. It's no excuses, no nothing. Their coaches did a heck of a job preparing their team. Obviously, we didn't. Might have been an understatement there by Coach Prime. We're going to get to that game in just a moment. We'll talk about the biggest action around the world of college football from this past Saturday. You, Ian, you were at Utah, UCLA, watching Utah take care of business 14 to 7. Since that was your game in person, give me a takeaway from that thing. Utah is exceptionally coached and deeper than most people think. They were without their starting center. They're all, they're all world quarterback. They're all world tight end in Brand Keithy. I mean, their starting center in Johnny Mahaya. 
I mean, you're st- two starting defensive ends, a, a starting DB, you know, one of your one of your inside backers. So you're looking at like eight, nine guys again of your of your star of your 44, meaning you're too deep. Through the first four weeks of the season, they have missed a minimum of 16 guys off your if you start of your top 44 players, and they're undefeated at four zero in a top 10 team. It, again, Kyle Whittingham, Morgan Scally, Andy Ludwig, that entire coaching staff, the the Detroit Lion legend Luther Ellis, whose son Jonah had four and a half tackles for loss and three and a half sacks in that game. They are one of the best coach teams in all of college football. And if your squad is looking for a safety in the NFL, his name is Cole Bishop. He's rocking number eight for the Utah Utes. That dude is a boy dog warrior who is a quarterback of that secondary, can be a four-core special team guy. Damn, the Utes are good. I mean, they are well-coached and deep. As a Gator, I love to hear it, right? It makes me feel better about that well, loss week in week one of the season a whole lot better. Uh, Colorado's going to need to feel a whole lot better after this loss, suffering their first loss of the season, the hands of Oregon, 42-6. to six. It wasn't a loss, Ian. It was an ass whooping. My favorite play of the weekend, and Kyle, I played one game, Oregon minus 21. You felt just, that good about just it. Just take it to the bank, right? I kind of like Purdue. That was an L. I kind of like Clemson plus three. Glad I didn't play it, right? I liked A&M minus nine. I'm regretting not playing that one. Uh, but Oregon minus 21. Total team points 40. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. didn't play that one. I liked it. But Oregon, and I love, you know my favorite part about this game is Dan Lanning didn't back off his preseason comments. Head coach at Oregon when he said, what has Colorado done for this conference in the last quarter century? Good riddance. And, you know, Deion Sanders heard it, and it was played up before this game, and Lanning didn't back off of it. He never referred, if you notice, Amber, Colorado by name. It was them and they, right? It, it, that team over there. It was never by name. And that pregame speech he gave about clicks and we're about wins, damn. And they went out and backed it up. I mean, Here's- it was... Here is Dan Lanning, the head coach of Oregon, in that pregame speech. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass. Right? It's going to be played on the grass. Let's go. I wonder how long it took him to write that thing up. How many times he practiced it in the mirror before he actually went and delivered it. And then what's what's funny about it, and Ian, it's a great speech. What's funny about it is the team immediately put it out. And also, you put it out on social to get the clicks. So that's what's funny about it. Also, what was funny is that was coming from the team that has like 437,000 uniform changes, right? (laughs) And it's sponsored by Nike. They don't care about that. But they're not doing it for the attention. I just thought, I mean, that, that was the easy place to go, obviously, with Colorado and to fire up your players. It was just, there was some irony in those comments, but it was a heck of a speech. Lanning was not there for all the Chip Kelly, you know, Oregon uniform changes, and they've, and they've kept it. It's a great recruiting tool. That dude. I'm not kn- hating on that, by the knowing way. Knowing him, I mean, he, he is all about just football, blood, sweat, tears. And that was from the heart. 
I mean, because you know the cameras are allowed in from your from your, you know, your your your, your school. Yeah, those were his school, yeah. so they oh, yeah. put it out. Oh, though, absolutely, is my point. That That's why it was ironic. Because, guess what? Hearing that, I want to go. Like, I'm 51 years old. I'm, I'm going to tear every bone in my body is going to get broken, but I'll go pad up for that guy in a second. I had him against Texas Tech, and Landing is a leader, and that was. Oregon is legit, and Bo Nix is legit, and Colorado is going to get chicken kicked again this weekend. But as Deion Sanders said, get us now. He has the skill, guys, right? I mean, uh, the flash. He knows he's got to recruit offensive linemen and defensive linemen. That's where they're missing it. He doesn't have the size. And that's where Oregon has one of the best O-lines and best D-lines in ball. And when, when he gets that in a couple years, it's going to be trouble. So you better get him now. But this week, guess who's next? USC. They're taking yeah. another L. Yeah, I mean, things don't get any easier for Colorado from here on out. All you have to do is look at the size differential in the trenches between those two teams. Easy win for Oregon. Uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Woo! not an easy win for Ohio State. They get it done 17-14. They got it done against 10 guys on the field for Notre Dame the last two plays. They've already they fixed that, and I, I still don't understand the Marcus Freeman reasoning of, of not rushing a guy back on there. He said he'd be offsides and blah, 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 and he made yeah. a replay. But He's like, I didn't want to take – so you don't want to take the extra yards, so yeah. you gave him a touchdown. Uh, yeah, but it would, it would have been an extra play possibly. The biggest one is Alabama's not dead yet also. Clemson, yeah. 24-10 over Ole Miss. Sweeney, eliminated now from college football playoff contention. Clemson lost to Florida State. 31 to 24. Uh, that Alabama Ole Miss game, I don't know if Ole Miss is worse than I thought Ole Miss is, or if we're counting out Alabama too soon. The latter. It, and we're, you know, we're falling for it once again. And the second you start doubting Nick Saban and his crew, he's going to remind us that he's still out here. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, we are going to get you updated on all of the live NFL action plus. 